We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode number 64. Scott, unfortunately, we are no longer in the same place, so we're back to doing episodes over Skype. You know, I actually feel back to normal. Uh, you know, when we first got on to, to talk before we hit record, it felt like I haven't done a podcast in about three weeks, and it felt weird. So, yeah, this is, I guess, back to normal, and, and I guess the last week didn't feel normal right it felt yeah, it, it was felt like we weird. weren't even doing it yeah it was fun i think they came out really well despite the the missed the lost audio on one of them but you did recover it the, the lost tapes were found thankfully thankfully yes the the late night drunken periscope did uh did actually get recorded at least 95 percent of it so we got that up that's episode 62 we apologize for releasing episode 63 before 62 Kind of, kind of appropriate, though. Yeah, appropriate for the, way, for for the that, way it went down. For that debauchery of a weekend, it, it's appropriate. Yeah. Uh, we kind of warned everybody, and that's exactly how, how it happened. But, uh, yeah, it was a little weird recording in person, but I think we got the hang of it. I mean, I don't think it was weird in person. I just It didn't feel like we were doing a, like a regular podcast. That's Exactly. Just, be, just because we've done, what, 63 episodes this 60, way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the one episode, I, I, it, was, it was actually cool because... You know, being in the same room, you can you can 
one by seeing the other person, like I can read, like, you know, you can read the person's face and just like, just by you could, but it's having a conversation in person. It's very different. So obviously right now, like we, we can't see each other and it makes it for a different dynamic, I think. Um, so hopefully one day we'll be at, we'll have a studio and we'll be doing this on, on the radio, right? Yeah. After 61 of these, we kind of got the hang of when you, you know, I would stop talking or around, around the time and you knew you were, you'd have to be ready to jump in and, and vice versa. So being in person actually took me a second to, to adjust to, to that. I remember at first. So uh, it was a lot of fun though. As I said, this is the 64th episode which means it's our favorite, hopeful, backup third baseman, utility player, Rob Refsnyder episode. Yes. We've reached 64, and I think he's keeping 64. Good. It, it, it suits him. He's the man. Let's, you know, I'm so happy that, that people are finally seeing Rob Refsnyder for what he is, a, a, you know, a truly a dynamic baseball player that can help the team in so many different ways. That and can, it seems like people are coming on. back up third base or any other position. Or any other position. That's that's my uh, yeah. This dude could play catcher. I'm sure. Like this is Rob Refsnyder will be the guy when we're out of pitchers in the 15th inning in May that will come in and throw two scoreless. But that's just, that's what's going to happen. Oh yeah, I bet he's got a nasty knuckle curve. Oh no doubt about it. <laughs> um. So last weekend, as we said, we've been talking about we were in Tampa. I hope everybody enjoyed the podcasts. There is a video to come. We got some pretty uh, interesting fan interviews that we're going to be releasing hopefully this week. Um, But have you recovered yet from Saturday night, last Saturday night? Yeah, I've recovered. I had had a different a totally different Sunday than you did. You you got up at like the butt crack of dawn. No, no, no. I I didn't get up. Or didn't get up. I never went to bed. Okay. It was quite possibly the worst day of my life. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I've had a lot of bad days like that in my 20s that were just complete blurs. I used to not go to sleep like way too often. It was it was a really bad streak in my early 20s. Yeah, I would do it in college when I was 19 years old and I could rebound. Yeah, I, I did it way, way. I did it deeper into that. I, I had I had some some bad years after college too, but I had I was in a weird place for bad for boy mine. Scott, bad boy yeah. mid twenties Scott. Yeah, degenerate degenerate Scott in his mid twenties is is like low to mid twenties. Anyway, I had a I had a bad. Uh, it was like a weird timing. My you know I had a, a late flight and it was like just late enough where I really couldn't go to the Yankee game where I had to get the rental car back. And so I just kind of went to the airport and, and vegged out for a little bit. Luckily, Tampa has free Wi-Fi, which was a nice surprise. So I just kind of hung out and, and caught up on, on some things that I needed to catch up on. Last Saturday was daylight savings time, which threw a wrench into everything. I had a 7 a.m. flight out of Tampa, but it was really like 6 a.m. We got back from the bars at, what, 2 a.m., but it was really 3 a.m. So I, I was just all messed up and... Finally, I was just like, you know what, screw it. I'm not going to go to bed for 45 minutes. I'm just going to go right to the airport. You were passed out on the couch. I had to wake you up. I'd be like, hey, hey, dude, I'm heading out. It was was an awesome weekend. Thanks a lot. Also, I was a little afraid about just walking out and leaving the door unlocked in that neighborhood because you might not be with us right now had I done that. I'm not going to lie. I woke up. I was like, how is this door locked? I don't know how the door is locked. (laughs) Honestly, it was going through my mind. I I don't know how I thought of that, but I was like, this door doesn't really stay shut unless you put the top lock in. Right. I can't do that from the outside. I don't want Scott 
to be raped and pillaged. Well, that was well, very that was very, that was, a, that was a courteous move. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's I'll remember that one. I'm gonna put that one in the back of my uh, in the back of my memory bank to to, to pull out later. I'll remember that one. But and, yeah, it's the apparent, it's definitely interesting. The apparent uh, paddleboard woman next to us, who we never saw and I don't believe actually existed, was not gonna save you. No, I actually talked to her husband the next day. <laughs> for a little bit. I was like, don't talk. Stop talking to me, please. Just stop talking to me. I, I don't want to talk to you. I have nothing to say. I'm leaving. He's like, oh, are you moving in? Are you the new neighbors? I'm like, no, no, I'm Hell not. No. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not moving in. I'm leaving. I'm leaving right now, actually. <laughs> I've had enough of this transitional neighborhood. Yeah. The tra- yeah. So that was the, that was the thing. Like, so we had an Airbnb house. Like I rented a house. I thought more writers were coming down. So I got like a house and it turned out it was just me and Andrew. And then, uh, something happened with the original house. I don't know what, literally as I get there, and she's like, oh, I could put you in this other place. It's better. It's closer to downtown. It's closer to the stadium. I'm like, oh, cool. And then I get there. I'm like, wait a minute. I've seen this before. And it's, you did, you, you, you were talking about, I think when we were recording the, the Chappelle skits, like gun store, liquor store, gun store, liquor store, exactly. gyro, g- random gyro shop. <laughs> and that's Which I'm we like, debated I'm like, why is there a guy, to. why is there like a group of people around a guy in a wheelchair on the corner? And this is this is there's something shady going down. Then I go in and there's like abandoned house, abandoned house. Oh, nice renovated house, nice renovated house. I went back and looked at the listing on Airbnb because she just put it up. It looks like a model house. It's someone whoever goes there is not going to be happy. Not going to be happy because of the surroundings or because of what we did to the house. No, we didn't do anything bad to the house. The house is in perfect shape when we left. The surroundings. I broke the shower. No, I that was a I did the same thing on mine. The, the whole thing came down. And I was yeah. like, <laughs> I was just standing there, and all of a sudden it just collapsed. I'm like, God damn it! Yeah, it was uh, Sunday morning. Was pretty brutal for me, just like trying to figure things out, <laughs> trying to like be responsible and leave Get that your bearings. Place. Yeah, it, that was a tough one. Yeah, so, yeah, we went out uh, pretty pretty hard Saturday night. It was an it was a full day too because we went to the Valspar Championship. Uh, which was a golf tournament in Tampa or a town over from Tampa on Saturday. So we were pretty much out from, from noon all the way until 3 a.m. drinking. And my my 27-year-old body can't handle it. And I know for damn sure your 35-year-old body can't handle it. But it did pretty well. I'm not going to lie. It did yeah, pretty well. So today, we are recording Monday night. But today is the 10-year anniversary of Twitter. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because 2006 is when Twitter launched. And I was thinking about the internet in 2006, 10 years ago. 10 years in internet time is like a 1,000 years in other time. Think about how much the internet has changed, how much people use Twitter now and what it's used for between t- 10 years ago. I was I was a freshman in college. I never heard of Twitter. I don't think I heard of Twitter until 2009. I think that's the first time I heard about it. When the... Um, I think that was when the the first really event I heard about it was that Hudson plane landing, the oh, Hudson River plane landing, which is when oh, like, yeah, yeah. that was like the first mega like news event on Twitter. So my relationship with Twitter is very different. Like my personal account, I don't use it that often. I, I've been using it more lately, but I just don't have that much to say on Twitter. Like I feel like I I work from home. I, like I do a lot of stuff. I'm working constantly. And but it's a lot of the same, like very similar things. And I just feel like I don't have that much to say about things. And and I'm not like when I'm doing something, I I just, I don't go to Twitter. Like people like tweet about every thought that they have when they're watching a game or like, I just can't do that. When I'm watching a Yankee game, I, 
I tend to have more to say just because I know what I'm, t- I'm looking at, and I well, and I know I'm usually on the Bronx Pinstripes Twitter account, and it's just it's kind of fun because there's a lot of back and forth because there's so many people on there. Yeah. So that's like a different uh, to me. That's like a different animal. But I just I don't know. It's just there's some people that just live for for being on Twitter, and let's let's also talk about this is the ten years to the day uh, as we're recording, and they're still not making any money, nor do they have <laughs> any direct, ex- nor do they yeah. have any direct line to a revenue stream. That's so exactly, we may not be talking about this in ten years. That's exactly how I heard about the ten year anniversary was because Twitter wasn't really doing much about it. They sent an email around, but I didn't get the email until like four o'clock in the afternoon. I was I was just online this morning and I saw CNN post an article saying ten years of Twitter ten or it's like ten years later and Twitter still doesn't know how to make money and that was the headline and I think that's why Twitter didn't really publicize it because they knew they were kind of getting bashed. Yeah, I mean Facebook is Facebook was like the the guy that it was the social media that nobody wanted to be on because their parents were on it and right. now I feel like people are going back to it yep. because it's just, it's getting so big and because it's uh, connected to Instagram now as well so it's becoming like cooler again I guess and it's it's becoming just less well there's just uh, so less many an old man network especially for for businesses and stuff yeah I mean but even for just you see like people documenting their lives on Facebook a lot more than other things like Twitter is like just a thought it's like ADD it's like the social media ADD you know it just it just happens and then it's gone it happens and it's gone and um, but yeah they, they but they're like because of Bronx pinstripes and, and just the work some of the work I do you know I, I've messed around with like the ad systems like how people make money on these social medias and I've seen how Facebook does it and they do a good job there you can actually use theirs and get some return on your investment Twitter it's a joke like their their whole ad system is a complete joke you run an ad and you let's just say it's I don't know a ten dollar ad it's gone in like in like three seconds and you get nobody seeing it it's it, it's just not worth anything it's uh, that's why nobody uses it so um, yeah, their 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 line to uh, their their direct line to revenue is still sight unseen at this point. Getting back to what you were saying about Twitter and how you use it, and it's just sort of stream of conscious, and it's just literally word vomit all over the page. Essentially, my favorite thing about Twitter is interacting with people during games and getting mad about things. I think that's why I enjoy Twitter so much. Um, I tweet throughout the entire year, but it's not nearly as much as when there's an actual Yankees game going on. Um, I remember when I first started using Twitter and I'd watch a game, I would be tweeting like play by play of the game. And then it hit me. I'm like, why the hell am I doing this? The, the, wh- who is following me to fi- to find out what's going on in the Yankees game? They're following, they're either watching the game or they're following somebody else who's already right. doing this, who has a blue check mark. I don't even know if blue check marks existed at the time. But once I figured out what Twitter is good for and it's interacting with people and getting other people's opinions... Um, and trying to be funny, essentially. I, well, that's I, the I really thing. Like, it's become it. too much of a comedy show, too, sometimes. People try to be so witty and so funny that it's just, it gets old. Yeah, but there, there's a certain challenge in that. You got 140 characters to try and be funny about something that's going on in the world, whether it's a live sporting event or an award show or whatever news is go- going on. Uh, I kind of enjoy that. Keeps me on my toes. Yeah, I understand it. I mean, what... I am so much better at Twitter after I've had a couple of drinks. It's so true. It's like no, no, no. you like, think you're better at Twitter. No, no, no. I am. I'm legitimately better because <laughs> you're like, I'm oh like, my, I'm getting uh, three times the retweets, five times. Yeah, the exactly. <laughs> I when if you go on Bronx Pinstripes and you you see like the amount of retweets, you can tell sober Scott and not sober Scott. Like when I'm tweeting on and and I'm actually getting good interaction. It's a significant difference. We should we should run we should see if people can guess who's who's tweeting from the Bronx Pinstripes account this year. 
Uh, it'd be pretty easy if, just to distinguish between you and me. I mean, you and I are the big ones. Rich goes on there a lot too, but Rich does more of recaps, like, and he does. Well, he he gets he gets angry on there too. You're like extremely angry, and then I'm <laughs> my and favorite. then I celebrate, and then I celebrate good times. <laughs> my favorite was last year. It was a game. I believe it was a West Coast game. I don't remember who they were playing, but I remember it was a West Coast game because it was like one o'clock in the morning, and I was still tweeting from the account, and someone just replied and like. Hey man, why are you being so negative tonight? <laughs> I remember like, that. I remember that. Like, I responded I to it. I was it. like, uh, because Andrew's tweeting and not Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, welcome, welcome to reality, buddy. Welcome to the it's, pity party. It's not part. all roses when when Andrew's <laughs> tweeting. <laughs> but people actually do. I must say, th- I, I must say a thank you to Twitter because Twitter is actually where we have Bronx pinstripes really got legs. I mean, we found a lot of the people that follow us. We found practically all of our writers on Twitter. We found just, it's, it was a very big base because our Twitter, our Twitter uh, media, our Twitter account grew faster than anything. And, and then it snowballed into other accounts and other uh, social medias, but Twitter was really where we started. So that's how you and I met. That is true. We met on Twitter. It's like the, it's like the Tinder for bros who like sports. There you go. And now I know what Tinder is too, so I, I understand that reference. Yes, you were introduced <laughs> to Tinder this this weekend. Not you personally, since you have a love. Other life. people doing it. Yes, it other was people doing to watch. Tinder. Yes, it was fascinating to watch other people do it, and and how how much it was a part of like every second life. <laughs> I have a buddy who lives in Tampa. He's a college college buddy. We were actually roommates freshman year. Randomly paired up, and I still keep in touch with him. Um, and he he's single, so he was showing scott the ways of tinder and bumble and all the other apps but we were out uh to dinner on saturday night and there's this very attractive young waitress who's not waiting on us but waiting on some tables next to us and the entire dinner my buddy's like i'm gonna i want to ask her out i want to ask her out and scott and i are obviously encouraging this hoping and praying that he's gonna ask her out and it's gonna come down crashing and burning so he gets our waiter to send the waitress over and she, she comes to the table and he just very bluntly introduces himself and asks her out. And she was so taken aback and so – I don't even know what the word is. She was just so pleasantly surprised by the fact there, that there – were, There were gasps. Like She was like, oh. Me? Oh, me? You're asking Wait, me on you a date? want me to go out? <laughs> it was shocking. It was unbe- – the most, the most unbelievable thing was – wasn't that she said yes. It wasn't the fact – or even if she had said no. It was, it was the way that she said yes and, and how <gasps> – me? Uh, just, just completely You're surprised that anybody would ask this girl out. It was, I, I feel bad. I feel, I felt bad for her at the time because I'm like, I'm like, how? because you saw him the entire day, what he was doing. Well, there's just a naiveness of of what was happening right there. I'm like, I can't believe that she's so naive to think that like someone wouldn't ask her out. Like, she was a, a so, like a very cute so girl. Like, I, where I the just age couldn't gap. understand it. This is exactly, and this is what we were talking about last Saturday night. This is the age difference, and I'm, I'm. I'm guessing most of our listeners are around, you know, or somewhere in their 20s. So they probably know this more than you did at the time. And we know- definitely have a lot of guys who are older than me who listen to this show. Okay, too. well, then I'm going to be enlightening them when I, when I break this news to them. Okay. No one asks people out face to face anymore. They don't even do it over the phone. It's either a text message or a dating app or online dating. That's how people are asked out these days. And this girl, I think she said she was in college, so she's certainly not getting asked out uh, in person, face-to-face. So I think she was just so taken aback and so... Well, you're telling me because she's in college, she's going to get... She's less likely to get asked out? 
Yes. I mean, you'll meet that people. That doesn't make any sense. Listen, you'll meet people at bars or whatever, but all of the groundwork is laid um, online. That's how, that's how stuff happens now. Welcome to the 21st century or whatever century we're in, Scott. I know you were in college in the 90s, so it's not like – there's none of that anymore. I was in the college in the late 90s. It was 98. <laughs> still to, the 90s. To, I mean, we, yeah, we didn't have – I mean, Facebook basically came about when I was leaving school. So right, and you couldn't get after because you didn't I have couldn't a, go because I didn't have a college have a account dot edu account. <laughs> 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 what was it? What was it? My, MySpace. My yes. you, you had a MySpace. MySpace was the was the social media that I could go to. <laughs> do you still have a MySpace? I do not. Oh my god! So uh, this we're we're really anxiously awaiting Levi. I know you're out there. You're probably not listening because you're a dirty Mets fan. But I will get updates for the people on on the lovely couple of Levi and the waitress, and we'll update you next week, hopefully. Um. I, one one thing I wanted to mention before we get into some Yankee stuff is I am running a baseball movie March Madness bracket on the website right now. I picked 16 of my favorite baseball movies. A lot of people gave me shit for some of the ones like Summer Catch that I threw in there. But hey, Jessica Biel, it's a, it's a fun fun movie about the Chatham A's. I, I definitely enjoyed it. It's in my There's top only 16. one reason anybody likes that movie. One reason and one reason only. Whatever. It's, it's, just, it's Jessica Biel. Valid reason though. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter what it's about. Uh, nice pool scene in that movie. Um, so we we got through round one. That did get bounced. But we are in the Elite Eight matchups right now. I tweeted those out from the Bronx Pinstripes account today. We're definitely getting some good votes on that. But if you want to vote and you haven't voted, go to uh, our Twitter stream or hashtag Movie March Madness. I'm tweeting out with all those hashtags. You can also find the blog recap that I put up on Friday. I will be doing another one this week. We have some good matchups this week uh, between 42 and Moneyball. 42 with the surprising upset over the natural. Are you a 42 fan? I just don't think that many people on Twitter. If you look at the demographic of the people who follow us on Twitter, they're a lot younger. I'm just not sure how many of them have actually seen the natural. I thought the natural. I, think that's I, I ranked it. the natural as a number one overall seed for their for their bracket. I think I put it fourth overall out of the 16. But I thought that was one of the most well-known baseball movies of all time. I don't think... I'd say eight out of ten of uh, people who are following us on Twitter do not know who Robert Redford is. That blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, The Natural it, is a great movie. And if you ask, I'd say nine out of ten of them wouldn't tell you like the one scene in The Natural. It's the most you know memorable scene. They would have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, Kirk Gibson. It's a, it's the it's Kirk Gibson in movie form, but it happened before Kirk Gibson actually happened. In the, right, but I'm in saying the I bet most people don't. I, I bet a lot of people haven't even seen that movie. Well, if you have, if you're listening to this right now and have not seen the nat- the natural, you better go watch it because it's an awesome movie. Um, but 42 with the surprising upset, Moneyball beat 61. I thought there'd be more of a Yankee bias there. Yeah, I'm very surprised on that one actually. Yeah, I think it blew it, it blew it out too. Like 68 percent voted for Moneyball. Um, people loving the Brad Pitt Jonah Hill chemistry. I was gonna say, is that the Jonah Hill the yeah. Jonah Hill little uh, connection right there? Yeah. Now and now he's gonna go lead the Browns to a championship. Never. <laughs> um, then we got the Kevin Costner division, which I guess my joke went over everybody's head because I had three mo- Kevin Costner's done three baseball movies. That's a lot of baseball movies. But then I also threw in the rookie who is Dennis Quaid. And I know Dennis Quaid is not Kevin Costner, but apparently people thought I mixed the two up. I jokingly mixed the two up calling Dennis Quaid, the poor man's Kevin Costner, which is why I put it in the bracket. 
But didn't matter because Field of Dreams crushed the rookie and Bull Durham beat uh, For Love of the Game. So we got a, a, a Costner on Costner matchup uh, of the late 80s, Field of Dreams versus Bull Durham. Who would you pick in that matchup? I feel like that's the most closely contested matchup. I would pick uh, Field of Dreams. I've got people on Twitter telling me that Field of Dreams is not a baseball movie. Well, that's just ridiculous. They're like, oh, it's about fathers and sons. I'm like, well, yeah. Playing baseball. It yeah. is, but it is. it's and centered they... around baseball. <laughs> well, it's also centered around like the, the catch yeah. between the father and son. Like That moment, I still bawl my eyes out when I watch it. It's pathetic. Every movie but... is about relationships between people but it's also about something else so while it's not like the story of a team like bull durham it, it's still it's still a baseball movie so but bull durham's also very much centered around kevin costner and susan sarandon absolutely. Their, their relationship yeah and tim robbins yes absolutely every movie is like that not every movie is is i can't even there's no see the, co- the costner just... division is is different because like with Field of Dreams and Bill Durham, they're two very different movies. You know what I mean? Like, like one's like a, a a more serious drama that has like just so many amazing things in it about baseball itself and like what the game does for people. And then Bull Durham is just one of the best best movies that are centered around a team and and like the the shenanigans and all the things that go on with the team. So, like I know I know they're in the same bracket, but. It's it's kind of a it, it's like it's like everybody's upset that Indiana and Kentucky played you right. know this early. There's but you got to put them in the same two bracket. heavyweights. I can't yeah. have two Costner movies going off in the final. I understand four. why you did it. I, I understand the committee's decision. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they got the kids movie division. It's it's the Sandlot versus Angels in the Outfield, and I have stated on the, these very airwaves that Angels in the Outfield is my favorite baseball movie. I'm sticking ish to that. I think uh, I've I've thought more about it considering I'm doing this bracket. I still love Angels in the Outfield, but I know the Sandlot is going to win. Yeah, you should really, really loosen your your stance on this point. It's, it's a great it's movie. Terrible. It's not terrible. It's not the Sandlot. The Sandlot's an all-time great. I agree, and I think that if I could only watch one baseball movie for the rest of time between the Sandlot and Angels in the Outfield, maybe I would watch – I think I might pick Sandlot, but Angels in the Outfield was my favorite movie growing up. So okay. I got a special it's a special place in my heart. There like the go. Sandlot I think is off to a big lead. I think it's like 80 something percent. And then the final matchup is between Major League and a League of Their Own. And I was surprised at how many people were telling me a League of Their Own is a crappy movie. Yeah, I, that's a great movie. I think it's an awesome movie, and I, I don't know why people say that. What was the reason? Did they give any reasons? They kind of saying just, it's a crappy movie. They're just like, oh, are you serious with a league of their own? I think they they see that like Roseanne and Madonna's in it, and they think it's a joke. Yeah, no, it's actually a very good movie. It's it's uh, not Roseanne. And, who know, am I thinking about? Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Roseanne, Roseanne, Roseanne sang the national anthem Wrong while scratching, <laughs> while scratching herself. But no, that I mean, the league, a league of their own. I don't know if people just see it for what it is on the surface and see a bunch of women playing baseball and they judge it and they're like, and I don't know, they think less of it for some reason. But the the whole setting of the movie is is phenomenal. Like the characters in it are phenomenal. Everything about that movie is really good. I One love of that. the best baseball movie quotes of all time. There's no crying in baseball. That's right. And you know when you look at like I know my wife played uh, my wife played softball in like all all growing up and in college and that's her favorite movie of all time like that's one that like kind of inspired her and and I think that's really cool about how you know how a lot of 
uh, girls can look to that movie and and while maybe they're not playing baseball but they play softball, it's kind of it's kind of a movie for them too. Um, but it's it's a great movie for for everybody, I think. So, like I said, vote for all those that we will be finished with this by the end of the week. I hope to have a champion crown by Friday. Uh, vote while you're enjoying a little March Madness action. Um, I don't know about you, but my bracket is totally screwed, totally busted all over the place. I, don't I still know have Indiana. I still I, I filled out two brackets and I picked Indiana to win it in in one of them. So that's that's my uh, that's pretty much all I'm relying on. It's this actually point. this year is actually laughable. I, I'm in last place out of fifty in, in my in my tournament. So bring it up the rear. All right, let's talk some Yankees. So a bit of scary news over the weekend was that Jacoby Ellsbury was hit on the wrist and he had an X-ray. Thankfully, it came back negative. But he's day-to-day now. And you see this happen, and you're like, man, this outfield cannot catch a break. All of these guys are kind of tentative when it comes to injuries as is. They're all kind of fragile. They all have are going to need extra rest this year because they're not going to make it through a full season playing 155 games. Um, Gardner already has a wrist issue. Beltran's old. He's got knee troubles and, and, and back soreness and all sorts of soreness. And now Ellsbury get, gets the ding on the wrist. And it's just like, come on, can't we at least make it to opening day without something like this happening? Well, I mean, nothing really happened to Ellsbury. This is a, he got hit on the wrist by a pitch and x-rays were negative and they, they, everything is going to be fine. But I, I understand the, the cause for concern, obviously, when something happens and he's out and they, they have to do x-rays and, and something goes on. But you're right. I mean, th- there's a lot of question marks with the outfield as far as the health. There's no doubt about it. Beltran, we don't know what to expect. I mean, this guy, obviously, you know, we know he, what he did at the end of last season. He came back and started hitting the ball really well, but which is which is kind of – you know, it's, it's it's extremely different in the way that A Rod and some of the older guys went because he kind of got better as the season went on. Yeah, I mean, um, as of the end of May last year, Beltron was hitting around 200. And I think one of the big reasons is that I don't think he was healthy in the beginning of the season, and then he actually got healthy. So, you know, hopefully he's healthy now and can and can really go out there and and play well, and they can give him some days off to to kind of rest him. But I, you know, to me, if Beltron's healthy, he's always going to hit. Like this guy's hit his entire career. That's he's just an extremely Extremely good hitter, and I think if if that elbow can hold up, and hopefully he doesn't have any setbacks from it, uh, then he's going to be he's going to be okay. You know, and this is this really goes into why they made that trade for for Aaron Hicks. I mean, this was yeah. a big deal. They realized what what was going on. I think with Ellsbury Gardner and how they tailed off at the end of the season, and how they need to get them more rest to keep them healthy, and that's why they they traded John Ryan Murphy. I mean, that's that's not a small. Uh, guy to, to trade they they really like John Ryan, John Ryan Murphy and they went and they got a but guy they had who, positional depth and it was a no brainer it was a no brainer trade no doubt absolutely when you look at who they got what you know kind of his prospects he had you know slightly bit of a down year but he he was a number one prospect I mean he was a top prospect I wouldn't not a number one prospect he was a first round draft pick a top prospect in the organization didn't necessarily pan out to what they thought he was going to be yet. But you know, I He's think only twenty five years old. Exactly, and the Yankees think they can they can really get a lot more out of him. And he's versatile, and the guy can play pretty much anywhere in the outfield. He can, uh, and he can he can he can hit the ball. So this is a guy that they're they're definitely counting on big time. And honestly, I think there's are there are a few guys that are very similar to Brett Gardner. I know we've talked about this, but you know, Slade Heathcott was a guy who kind of came on last year, and he's a guy I think could really go in and and, and play some. Some uh, very positive and solid innings. He and, might have and get to good at bats. Yeah, and, and yeah. I think we have some more guys like that. You know, I think a guy like Ben Gamble could could take another step. 
and, and be uh, somebody who could surprise us at some point during the year. I think there's a few few guys down there that you know Mason Williams we've been talking about forever um, is is coming back. So you know I think there's guys down there who can who can definitely help. So two weeks ago I wrote a my featured column about. Brett Gardner and Jacoby Ellsbury, and I asked the question, what can we expect from them this year? Because the last two years for these guys have been so up and down, and you know, as of middle of May last year, it looked like Ellsbury and Gardner were both on their way to all-star seasons. Gardner did make the all-star team, but Ellsbury got hurt and was never heard from again, and then we all know Gardner in the second half was banged up and, and was really terrible in the second half, and now he's dealing with this wrist injury, so, so really the question is, what can we expect from them? And it's such a huge, huge question mark. But what I concluded, and and now I'm thinking about it more, is that the only way the Yankees are going to get production out of them is if Aaron Hicks plays a regular role. And I'm talking five days a week he might have to play. Well, that's what Joe Girardi's already come out and said. He said that in the offseason that they're looking for him to play five days a week. They did not say that when they made the trade, though. I think that's been more of a development over the last month. I, I remember before that. I, I remember Girardi talking about this, you know, in in the winter before they even reported. I, this is something that I think Girardi's had on his list the whole time. It may have been on the interview, like kind of off the cuff. It wasn't a like, press conference type thing. But you know, I, I've heard this. I've heard this from Girardi for a while now. I, I think Girardi fully expects that Aaron Hicks is going to get a lot of playing time in that outfield. So I, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think he's really going to try to rest. Pretty much an guys. everyday role. I mean, when you think about it, someone's going to need a rest almost every day. Right. And Ellsbury is a guy that, you know, when healthy is is going to play. I mean, we've seen the injuries that he's had and, you know, you know, he's he's been labeled injury prone. But when the guy's healthy and the guy's on, he is a dynamic player. So to me, you got to roll with him, man, until until he's not a guy that breaks down, in my opinion. He's just a guy. You get, he's just prone to freak well, injuries. Once, and until once that happens, he's injured though, he doesn't come. back. I know, but like, I, to, but that to me doesn't lead. You know, more rest. Maybe it helps your percentages of of just because he's not on the field as much. But like that injury could come at any time. Whether he plays once a week, twice a week, and to me, he's a guy like he's got hamstring things going on. So, you know, a lot of times with with injuries like that. If you take days off and you come back, like that's when you re- when you tweak a hamstring or you I'm tweak. Just, a, I don't know. I, I think yeah. he's a guy that you got to play and play, and you know, until he until he needs a day off. Gardner's a guy that you should rest a little bit more. I, I think he's a guy that that, that yeah. could be down. Gardner plays balls to the walls, so he he yeah. get he just breaks down. But I'm I'm having nightmares of what like Ellsbury. You know, we'll hear June fifteenth. It's like, oh, Ellsbury's wrist is sore. Do you remember that time you got hit in spring training with that pitch? Well, it turns out it was slightly misdiagnosed, and he's been dealing with a little bit of a bone bruise. It's like, oh, great, Mark Teixeira two point Here we go. Greg Bird, man, that right? Isn't that what we just heard? I mean, yeah, we heard an injury from Greg so, Bird, and all of a sudden he's done for the year. Like, I, what? I I just get nervous with this team because all these guys are have injury issues and Ellsbury especially like we just said so it, it's just not it's just not good news is the bottom line that's okay right now they're healthy Gardner they've taken their time with Gardner's wrist apparently it's a non-issue anymore it was a bone bruise bone bruises heal and and so it's not like something Appar- they can apparently not in five months though apparently it takes more than five months 
But I think they, that's where they gave him that much time to make sure that it was fully healed. So, you know, I, I feel like Guardi will be will be good and, and that wrist injury isn't really going to be an issue. I mean, and Ellsbury, look what he did the other day. He made a phenomenal catch in center field. That was a, that was a terrific running catch. He covered a ridiculous amount of ground. He looks very healthy. He's been flying around. Uh, to me, he's been, uh, you know, making good contact this we spring. We saw him running up that hill behind Steinbrenner Field. Yeah, and you're right. Fleet while, A-Rod, while, while A-Rod was taking kids out. But yeah, he's he's been doing, you know, he's been showing us what we need to see, I think, in the spring. So, you know, again, you know me, I'm the positive guy. I'm looking at what I see in front of my face. And in front of my face, I see a healthy, I see a healthy Ellsbury that, that there's no, a non-issue with that, that hit by pitch. I mean, they were just obviously precautionary. And it scares the living crap out of people when they see that he was hit by a pitch. And, and then you hear the word x-ray. Um, but apparently a non-issue. And Guardy is 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 back and, and and you know getting his his regular swings in now and I think they're both going to be you know ready to go for the beginning of the season. So this sort of ties in. So Ellsbury and Gardner were one two in the order last year, and when they were healthy and playing well, it was an awesome dynamic duo at the top of the order. But one guy who has had an absolutely fire spring is Starlin Castro, and he kind of naturally would fit right into that number two hole. So if he's continues his momentum do you just plug him into the number two hole and have Gardner hit somewhere below you know lower in the lineup or do you or do you think Girardi sticks with that one two punch of Ellsbury Gardner at the top of the order Girardi being Girardi I think he's probably going to start the season with the 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 same tandem he did last year with with Ellsbury and Gardner but if Castro keeps hitting the way he does and and this is something that we see continuous I mean if this guy throwing up a a 300 plus average you know into into the end of april may june like this dude's just raking i mean he's got to be at the top of the lineup and it just makes too much sense to put that right-handed batter who is you know who who can hit for power as well at the the number two spot to to really just mix up that lineup more because you know i know we've talked about this but we've seen lefty lefty starters come in and just shut down that lineup because we're so lefty heavy but now that we have some options with right-handed bats who can actually hit, um, and when I say right-handed bats that can actually hit, because we had right-handed bats last year that were options, but they just, <laughs> they couldn't, just couldn't hit. hit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Brendan Ryan to me is not an option to 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 make your lineup better against a top uh, top end lefty. But you guys got like you you have guys like Castro and. You know, unless the heavens, God forbid, something goes wrong and 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 people don't put him on the on the freaking roster, but Ref Steiner will be there as well as a as a platoon guy, as a backup guy, but can also hit against a top lefty as well. You're going to have more right-handed batters that can really make that lineup a lot more, a lot more, uh, you know, evened out. So, yeah, and the switch hitters will all ter- be turned around. But last year, especially at the end of the year, once Teixeira got hurt. I mean, Headley wasn't hitting from the left side or the right side. Beltran was struggling a lot more from the right side. He was he was doing most of his production from the left side. So it was really a weak lineup against lefties last year. But now, like you said, Castro's a natural right-handed hitter. You'd also have A-Rod. So I could definitely see Girardi plugging Castro in at the number two hole against a lefty to sort of give that, that middle, you know, top to middle of the order a little bit more meat. Um, but Castro and, and, and Gardner's had great success at the bottom of the lineup. I mean, he's had good success in that nine hole. Yeah. And with DD DD eight nine, like to me, that's that that makes just so much sense to have them at the bottom of the lineup. And Gardner, I feel like, is one of those guys who, whether it's a lefty or a righty, he gives a tough at bat. Um, he's always going to take pitches, sometimes too many pitches. 
But we saw last year, especially when he wasn't healthy, he 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 looked overmatched, especially against lefties. In that in that playoff game against Dallas Keuchel, I mean, it was it was like Keuchel was pitching against a little leaguer. I mean, he was bailing out on that curveball. It, it was a real mess. But Castro is leading the league, or not leading the league, leading the team for spring training and hits, home runs, RBIs, and OPS. So. <laughs> Pretty sure those are four key offensive categories. And this is guy. Yeah. This is a guy who's coming off of a three sixty second half of last year. Dude after... has been raking since July of last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I think this is what we're. I mean, granted, we're not going to see a guy probably hitting three fifty to three sixty through the duration of a year. But I, I would not be surprised if we saw a three twenty hitter at a Castro over a course of a full year. I think this guy is is extremely motivated coming over to New York with a new ball club. And there were some comments that I thought were very interesting. Uh, yes, that we're, we're doing a few interviews and with, with players. And Carlos Beltran, they interviewed Beltran and was asking him about Castro and like, you know, what they were seeing about him. And one of the things that stuck out to me was he said that he now feels like he he, he appreciates the veteran presence as well on the team and he doesn't have to be the guy. Yep. Whereas in Chicago for a long time, he was the guy. He was the guy who everybody looked to, but he was a young kid at that yeah. time. And and maybe that just, you know, became too much for him and he was pressing and he started doing things out of his out of his norm. But now he 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 could kind of just sit back and 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 play baseball and do what he needs to do, you know, to to play effectively and to play his game. He doesn't need to press because he's got people around him with giant names and giant contracts. They're gonna be overshadowing him as a player, no doubt. So it's it's a very good situation for him, from what Beltran was saying, and 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 I think that's what we're seeing—a very relaxed Starling Castro. Every time I see pictures of him on the field, even at practice or doing sprints or whatever, he's always got a shit-eating grin on his face. He just looks excited. He looks he excited does. to be here. I love it. Be in New I York. love it. So it's really good. Today, I don't know if you saw, but he posted on Instagram. He was chilling on his yacht. Apparently, he has a yacht. Good for him. I'd have a yacht if I were him too. Yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> that's a nice contract. Apparently, <laughs> enough to buy a yacht. Yachts aren't cheap. I would have rather have a yacht than than like a, a ridiculous house. Give, put me on the water on a yacht, no doubt. Maybe he's gonna sail it up the Look, coast. Look, I'm gonna. I, I I would. I said this on Twitter. I don't even remember if I've said it on the podcast, but I, I really do believe that this is gonna go down as one of Brian Cashman's, you know, best. Oh, off you said it on the Drunken Podcast. You were you were raving okay. about it because. Well, I, I do. I still believe it. Sober Scott also thinks this. He thinks that uh, he thinks. I'm not going to talk about myself. Third person. I'm going to stop that. The Castro is is going to go down as one of Cashman's best move, if not his best move. I, I think that what what he gave up to get a player like Castro. One, I think we're going to forget about Robinson Cano very fast because I think this guy is is. I'm never going to forget about Robinson. Cano you will. Because you I'm will. Going to remind people because we'll I'm almost enjoying the disaster that's going on. Oh, that's fine. You can you can you can talk about him as like the disaster guy, but. But I'm talking about the productive, the the productiveness that we're going to get out of second base. I really think he's going to fill that void, and we're going to start seeing like very similar numbers to what what Cano was putting up. We may not see the Whoa, power. Add, that's a bold. We may statement. not see the power he had up, but I do believe that Castro is a guy who can hit for average, and he he has that gap power. He's got some home run popping him. I think he's going to give us 15, possibly 20 a year as a right-handed batter. He's not going to give Robinson Cano numbers, you know. A- Robinson Cano was an MVP candidate for the Yankees for four or five straight years. I'm not expecting Castro to do that. 
He's going to. But he doesn't have point. to do. We're going to see 320, 330. I do believe that. I, I think mean, that's that's it's a very high average. But bold but prediction. Still, he he doesn't need to do that. He just needs to be good. He just needs. You're right. To, he doesn't need to do it. But he I just think needs he's to hit 290, 280. Have some pop. Play good defense. Be a, be a, uh, be the player he's been for the past six years, and and the Yankees will be thrilled with that trade. It, even if he's the player he's been for six years, which is all-star caliber, this will go down, as you said, one of the best trades Cashman's he ever He is made. just now getting into his prime. He's, this is the age where you start seeing the, the best baseball, traditionally, of, of, of guys. Yeah, it's 26 to, to 30. 20s. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to start seeing the best of him. And I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. I think this ballpark is going to be a good thing for him. I think the lineup that is going to be around him is going to be a very good thing for him. And I think that a change of scenery is an amazing thing for him because I, I truly believe this guy's a better ball player than we've even seen in, in Chicago yet. And we're going to see even better Starling Castro. And I think Yankee I, fans are going to really take to him. No doubt about it. I, I think I think Yankee fans are going to love this kid. And every player who's ever been successful in New York and, and had fans behind him has always said – there's no better place to be winning and playing well and have the fans behind you than the Bronx. It's just, I, I it's just, I don't know, obviously, but it, it's one of those kinds of places where I'm sure, like Wrigley in Chicago, where it's just, it's like a, it's a special thing. So, um, Ref Snyder, who this this episode is dedicated to, I want to talk about Ref Snyder, and a and a quote from Brian Cashman caught my eye. Cashman was asked about Ref Snyder's uh, play at third base so far this spring, and he said, quote, he's been better than I expected. And that is like the most complimentary quote I've ever heard from a Yankees executive about Rob Ref Snyder. I'm shaking my head right now. <laughs> it's because I feel like we've, we've, we've seen this coming for so long. And, you know, I... Again, I was I watched these interviews that that Yes puts up during the game, and you know they they interview the guys in the clubhouse uh, like during the game at the end of the game when they're out of the game when they're out, and there's just so many things that are telling about this guy, and I don't really understand what what the problem was. I I I, I think it was smoking mirrors. I'm sick into my theory. Well. Look, the guy was extremely complimentary. He he's talking about how much he loves the game, how much he he is a student of the game. How he was talking with with Beltran and Reggie Jackson about hitting. They had a thirty minute conversation just about hitting, and and how he just wants to improve and wants to do anything the team needs him to do, and that he feels like he's really in a groove and he's getting to where he needs to be. He's saying all the right things and he's doing all the right things. This guy is. I don't see anything wrong with him. I, I just I see a guy that I want on my team every day. Apparently the Yankees just did not like his attitude. There was something going on. It's undeniable at this point at this point considering all of the the all of the times like you said we would see him be producing on the field and saying the right things but we wouldn't get anything complimentary out of the Yankees front office. Like why aren't you giving this guy credit? Finally it seems like the Yankees are changing their tune on him a little bit. He seems to be the clear front runner to be the backup third baseman, win a utility infielder uh, job on the 25-man roster to start the season. We've been fighting for that, cl- uh, calling for that all offseason, so that's all good news. But I think maybe they were just testing him. They were saying, you know, you do need to get your attitude in check. Like, you're a high prospect, but your your shit doesn't stink. You do need to improve. He's kept his head down. He's worked hard, clearly. He's taken the third base. Apparently, I've been seeing tweets from from uh, baseball writers saying that Ref Snyder just looks more comfortable at third base than he ever did at second base. So he looked pretty comfortable at second base to me as I well. I thought so though. too, I mean, but but um, 
you know, hey, they're there watching it. So we didn't, unfortunately, we didn't get to see Ref Snyder playing when we were down there. But right. it it seems like finally the, the organization has gotten behind Ref Snyder a little bit. Yeah, and, and one thing that was that was noting that I noted when he was talking as well is he's been taking he said he's been focusing a lot more on his defense this spring and he hasn't been getting as many swings in as he normally does. But you know, I think he's starting to catch catch up on that. But you you can tell that the guy is dedicated to to improving his defense because obviously they think that that's his you know, that that's his Achilles heel is the defense. And Look, fine. I don't know if it's look, and and Girardi's talked about Refsteiner as being a confident guy, and that he knows uh, that he, he just he just feels confident out on the field. And I don't know if that that confidence was taken for arrogance at some point, and and that's Might what rubbed people wrong. I, I I have a feeling that's probably what it was. Like maybe there was a comment said behind the scenes that that was was taken out of out of context, or it was just you know maybe he was a little bit more arrogant well, than he should have been, and he just kind of toned it down a little bit. I don't know. Maybe he got humbled somehow. Yeah. But and you that almost was, as a professional athlete, being stuck you in, gotta the, be. in the minor leagues. You so, have to yeah. be. Exactly. You have to be. You, you, you got to be a little bit cocky. You got to have some arrogance to be a professional athlete because you're better than everybody. You have always been better than everybody at your sport. So you don't get there. I'm not saying you got to be a, a dick, but but I, I, he, you got to have a little bit of a swagger, I think. Um, so I, I still think he can play with some of that swagger just be respectful in the clubhouse if he wasn't already. So who knows? Hopefully Ref Snyder is on the 25-man roster. That's all I know. All right. We got a mailbag from Rudy G, who we've gotten a few mailbags from. So, Rudy, thank you. Rudy says, CC versus Nova, why not just give? Why not just have a six-man rotation? I know the Mets tried it last year but I'm not sure if it crashed and burned or they just decided to go back to a five-man because it's always been like that. Hopefully somebody doesn't get hurt to make the decision for them, but I, I say they should just name six starters. Japanese pitchers are used to a six-man rotation, so it might benefit Tanaka. What are your thoughts? Rudy, uh, thanks again. You are one of our most loyal mailbaggers, so I definitely appreciate that. <laughs> um but six man rotation versus five man rotation, CC versus Nova. Um, <clears throat> all right, couple couple things I want to touch on here. First of all, CC Sabathia has been really struggling in spring training. He has given up eleven hits and six earned runs in seven and a third innings pitched. Maybe it's because he's older and just getting back into the swing of things with spring. I mean, the guy is coming off rehab, so how much was he really doing in the offseason to work uh, on his stamina and his baseball? Who knows? But the facts are that Nova is clearly outpitching Sabathia. So if they do come down to a decision, have to name five starters, what are the chances that they name CC and not Nova, or excuse me, Nova and not CC? 5%. 5%. I like yeah. how you went very specific. <laughs> There's no chance. It's not going to happen. And CC is going to be the fifth starter. And Rudy, it's not going to be – This is. I, I said this before about the, the rotation and what I think that Girardi is going to do. In the beginning of the season, there's – there's one, there's – there's the off days are – there's a little bit more off days. These guys can juggle the, the rotation. Girardi can juggle the rotation a little bit more and, and schedule – the off days better so that he can kind of fit in a six man rotation, but it doesn't feel like a six man rotation. If you if you're catching my my drift, if that if that makes any sense, but he he'll skip a start here and there, and he'll do that because 
you know, it's early in the season. He'll say that Tanaka can, you know, can can get a couple days off, and and he'll he'll work it in with the off days so that it doesn't feel like a six man rotation, but it is a six man rotation. So I I, I truly believe that's what's going to happen. I, I believe that Nova is fully stretched out. They're going to use him. I don't see them using him as a long man. What's the point of that? Like, there's, that's just a kind of a mop up guy at this point. Unless unless there was a specific game where someone got blown up in like the second inning and you need get someone to to go in because the Yankees are hitting as well, but I, I just don't see it happening. Look, CC's not going to the bullpen. I, I don't see that happening. He's never pitched in the bullpen in his career. He's being paid too much money to be in the bullpen. They don't need him in the bullpen. They don't need another lefty who's never pitched in the bullpen to go there. And while Nova could do it, I, I think that the opportunity to skip starts for Tanaka Pineda. Both guys coming off of injury, uh, you know, had injuries last year. Evaldi, who has had an injury. Girardi wants to limit their innings early in the season. He wants to do that. I still think this competition is going to go into the season, and I don't really take much stock in spring training numbers. I think these guys get their work in, they get their arms ready, they get their stamina ready like you were talking about, and then the rubber meets the road when the season starts. I could actually see them delaying CC's start to the season. I could see that too. So maybe he doesn't make his first start until mid-April or something. And it gives two extra weeks to see everyone through the rotation again, compete a little bit more. CeCe's clearly not ready for the season right now. And I still I know there's another two weeks before the season starts. But, I mean, he's throwing batting practice. I think he gave up five runs versus, uh, who did he pitch against, Baltimore? Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, it was batting practice, 87-mile-an-hour fastballs. He's clearly not ready for the season. So I, I think I really think an option that... Um, is in front of them is they just delay his start to the season. The six but man. The rotation, problem is then they're gonna they're gonna put themselves in a situation where they delay it for two weeks. Nova pitches well. CC's not getting not not getting you know. There's not a lot of improvement in the minor leagues at that point. And then what do you do? They're not gonna release him. They're not gonna put him in the bullpen. What do you do? You put him on the deal. Okay, if he agrees to that, but you know damn well that if it's a if it's a shoulder thing, he's not gonna agree to that because there's a, a, a huge contingency in the contract. Right, but <laughs> there's so many sticky situations with this. I I just don't think I I know I know he's making 25 million dollars and I know that they ran him out there in the beginning of the season last year when he sucked. But this team can compete for the division. Why are you going to be giving up games with CC on the mound if that's the case? I'm not saying it's going to be because we saw him pitch well at the end of last year. So maybe right. he can get back to that. We had a podcast three weeks ago and said, is CC back? Because of all the comments he had about rehab, he seemed mentally like he was back. Maybe he can physically be back as well. Um, but you can't be surrendering games. You can't be sending CC out there to pitch three in- three and a third innings and give up six runs. This team can compete for the division. You can't I totally be... agree. I totally agree that we can compete for the division and we can't be giving up games. It's going to be a, a highly contested division. It's probably going to be won by two or three games. It's going to come down that. to the last week of the season. So yes. I know there's 162 games, but they're all going to count. I'm just interested. I, I don't have an answer because I don't know what they're going to do with CC. I know how the management and, and the front, of, front office has always worked with these big contracts. And they they don't like eating money. They just don't like doing it. They They haven't done it. They haven't done it in the past, and they've, they've run out guys with large contracts no matter what's going on. So I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen because I, I really don't have an answer, and I, I just don't believe CC Sabathia can pitch out of the bullpen. I don't think he's going to be effective there. I don't think he's worth anything in the bullpen. You can't tell a guy who's pitched for however many years, what, 15 years, 16 years in the major leagues, who has been a front-end starter his whole life, 
to to just stop doing that and then go and pitch one inning out of the bullpen as like a, a what a, what's he going to be like? No, a, he would be the long lefty man. specialist. He would, be the, he would be the garbage time long man. It's just I don't know. It's just he would be the most expensive garbage man in history. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen. But I want it to happen. We'll see. I mean, I mean, I look again. I don't really put a lot of stock in in my in uh, spring training numbers because you've seen it in the past where guys have phenomenal springs and then they just suck in the beginning of the season. So, you know, a lot of guys use spring training for different things. Like some guys don't try to compete and win games in spring training. Some guys are working on, uh, you know, a four seam fastball on the inside half of the plate for one inning and then they'll you know they do different things like cc was talking about how he used a four seam grip his last start and it didn't work as well so he's going to go back to the two seam grip that's what he said after that yeah, learning so to he's pitch. but he's working on things he's work, he's seeing what what feels good what doesn't feel good and that's what spring training is for it's getting your reps in getting some live bat you know batters in front of you going through the motions and then and then the season starts you see yeah, what happens you can't so, overreact from a spring training exactly exactly um uh, Rudy also asked why the Mets, they if they went to a six-man rotation, I think someone in their rotation got hurt, which is exactly what happened with the Yankees last year. Do you remember they went to a six-man rotation, but then yep. immediately Pineda went on the DL? So right. someone always gets hurt. I know Rudy said, I don't want them to get hurt and have the decision taken out of their hands, but that's the most likely scenario, unfortunately. Yeah, but I, I, I do believe, Rudy, I think, I think you're going to see six I think you're going to see six starters at the beginning of the season. It's just my uh, my prediction. I think everybody's going to get starts. All right. So, again, uh, thank you uh, for the mailbag. Definitely everyone submit to the mailbag, bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, or call the voicemail line, 646-480-0342. Before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit about uh, around Major League Baseball, some news that happened, and then we're going to preview the Mets, who the Yankees will play this year. So, weird story with the with the White Sox and this Adam LaRoche thing. Yeah, it's strange. Um, one of the weirder baseball stories I can remember. Adam LaRoche's kid apparently was at pretty much every game. It was like 120 games, right? Something the like kid that. had a locker in the clubhouse. Did you see that picture? No. There was a father-son locker literally uh, right next to Adam LaRoche's locker was his son's locker. And it was identical to, to identical lockers. It was a very weird situation. But um, he was at every spring training. He's a 14-year-old kid or a 12-year-old kid at every spring training practice, at every spring training game. And the White Sox sort of just asked, hey, Adam, can you maybe not bring your kid to every practice? And he's like, screw you guys. I'm retiring. I'm walking away from $13 million. <laughs> Family's more important to me, which you kind of got to give him credit to. He stuck to his guns. Right, and, yeah. and it's, you know, family's not more or money's not more important than family. So got to give Adam credit there. But. I don't know what to make of the story. It's just so bizarre. It's it's you know there's a lot of things you can think about. I mean, for for Adam LaRoche, the the clubhouse and the the baseball diamond is his workplace. And I don't know about you, but most people cannot bring their child to work every day of the week. They they have designated days for children to come to work. And I understand that baseball is uh, more of a there is a family atmosphere, I think, with baseball. It is a game. You you see a lot of father-son things. You hear about a lot of guys who are playing in the ball now who have, you know, their their father that played Major League Baseball. Those kids were in the clubhouse quite a bit. You hear that with Griffey. You hear like a lot of the guys who have their, their parents played. So it's 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 different, but it's just there's a there's a limit. I feel like 
possibly guys behind closed doors are like, can we get this kid out of here all the time? Yeah. Like, it would, he it would annoy running, me. He was running sprints with them. He was doing, he was doing warm-up drills with them. Yeah, and I mean, it's fine for, it, it's fine, all, you know, every once in a while. Or 120 games, that's a lot of games. And the kid goes on the road from what I hear. When, I is, he, when is he going to class? Doesn't well, he, he, must he must be homeschooled. He must be homeschooled. Yeah. And there's a lot of people doing that right now. There's, a, there's like a whole homeschool thing going on. There's with the, the internet change homeschooling. Yeah. Well, so our society screwed then. <laughs> so there's a lot. So he's doing that and he's, he's getting his schooling in. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's too much. I don't think it's crazy to say, hey, you know, let's, let's dial it back a exactly. little bit. But the weirder thing is, is the disconnect between the front office and the players yeah. and how how Chris Sale came out and just threw Kenny Williams under the bus, basically saying that, hey, he came in and said something different to us than he said to the coaching staff. And the coaching staff says that something different than, you know, everybody has a different story of what, why things happened and what's going on. So the whole thing is just bizarre. I f- yeah, I feel like I'm in bizarro land. I mean, players on the White Sox were talking about him like they lost a leader in the clubhouse. And he's a kid. He's not even your kid. He's, he's oh, you mean talking about the kid? Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, some, that see, that's the thing though. Like baseball is that kind of game where, where like I, I remember playing baseball every weekend. I would play, and the, there was a guy who was an umpire who umped all of our games. And every single week, his his little like nephew was in our dugout. Like every single week, and he became part of the team. It was just like this kid was part of the team. He was like the bat boy almost. But so it became fun. Yeah, but that's not actually baseball. I understand that, but these guys are all—they grew up with baseball. That's just baseball. Like embraces the family aspect of it. I think. Yeah, it you know does, these guys but... voted for these guys voted for Field of Dreams. <laughs> that's, that's a great Adam LaRoche. Absolutely. Uh, no, but that's not a baseball movie. Well, to Adam LaRoche, it is. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, Adam LaRoche voted for for Field of Dreams in this. Um, yeah, weird story. I, I kind of side with the White Sox, though. I mean. I just don't know why it made such a big thing. Like, why couldn't they just talk about this and be like, okay, he's here for 120 games. Like, the guys are complaining. We've had some guys complain behind the scenes. Can we just, you know, how about, you know, 90 games? Or, like, you know, maybe every other road trip? Or How about we give him a seat right next to the dugout and he can uh, just sit there with his mom or something? He doesn't need to be in the clubhouse. I'm just surprised this made news. and and, Like, it, it went out to the public and it wasn't handled behind closed doors. This seems like something that a couple guys could go and have a conversation about and resolve. You know what I mean? This honestly, so, I thought when I first saw it, I thought it was an Onion article. Yeah, it's weird. So we could, we could keep drawing comparisons to the, uh, the, the movie March Madness because in uh, A League of Their Own, you have the kid. What, what's the kid's name where they throw the glove, where Tom Hanks throws the glove at him? Uh, yeah. You're going to lose. The kid, <laughs> I haven't seen the movie in a while, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, he's, he's like a little fat kid. He's always in the dugout, and, uh, and he just gets annoying, and, he's, and uh, Tom Hanks is the manager of the— Another great move, baseball movie with kids is Angels in the Outfield. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I can't get that stupid gift that you put up out of my brain. <laughs> Roger <laughs> flapping his wings. Yeah. It's awful. Uh, Adam LaRoche walking away from $13 million, though. I, I, I would have stuck it out for one more year. Be like, hey, Drake, uh, do you want to be set for life? Let me, just, let me just play one more year, and you can just sit on the sideline. But Weird story all around. Um, all right, the Mets. Yankees play the Mets. On a home and home, August first through the fourth, so two at Shea, or two at City Field, two at Yankee Stadium. The Mets are projected to finish first in their division with ninety wins for baseball prospectus. Obviously, defending National League champs, everyone is all up on the Mets. Uh, 
jock this year. I was going to say something else, but I went with jock. Um, rotation should be filthy. Harvey back for a full year, maybe slimmed down a bit, not as pudgy. Um, also not coming off Tommy John surgery. DeGrom, Syndergaard, Mats, Bartolo Colon, Wheeler back. So, I mean, that's just a embarrassment of riches of a rotation right there. And Cologne's a guy who can go into the bullpen and actually fit in He's, and play. Dude, dude's got a rubber arm. He and and play a significant role because Wheeler, obviously, is their starter, a starting pitcher. Uh, but he's coming back from Tommy John, so it's interesting to have. Harvey, I don't know, he's, was he slimmer now? I, I mean, during the season, I saw a picture. Up. I saw a picture of him in spring training, and he looked he looked to be a few few lbs down. That's just that's just off season baby fat that's gotten shed. It'll it'll come back in by June. These guys uh, on the road they they don't work out as much. But Harvey, so, dude, Harvey's a stud. I mean, he's a he's a big Roger Clemens, you know, the stud type of ace that you want. Degrom's filthy. Syndergaard's another big dude. They look their their starting rotation is one that you could only pray for. Uh, they have a phenomenal starting rotation. If these guys stay healthy, they're going to be dynamic. I mean, they're they're it's going to be all in if they can score. So that's the big thing. And, you know, alluding to the, your next point in our rundown is that they re-signed Cespedes. Yeah, obviously he was a huge boost to them. Had a He had a historic month of August, right? He didn't he hit like 16 home runs or something. He had a ridiculous month. And then yeah. and then he, uh, you know, he, he didn't really show up in the playoffs. And I think the Mets fans, Mets fans are interesting because they're very like, they're, they're very hot and cold. They were all over Cespedes. I mean, the, the Cespedes... For the rest of us, there was a, there were so many things with him when he was all hot, and then all of a sudden he stopped playing baseball. He stopped playing as well, and then people were bitching about that he plays golf every day. They're and back then, on him though. Well, that's because he resigned. Wait, wait for wait till he gets cold again, and they're not. He's a, he's not the guy that they saw in that he's one month. He's kind of a streaky player. Yeah, he's not that guy. I mean, he's he's definitely not no. that player. I mean, he's a good player, but uh, he's not he's not the guy that they saw in that one month. He signed a two-year contract, though, big money for, for the two years. But he, he does need to still prove it. So I actually think that wasn't a bad deal for the Mets. He still needs to play hard because he, he will get another big contract in two seasons. Oh, it was a great deal for the Mets. They really, I think they hit that one perfectly. The fact that he signed a two-year contract is, is exactly that. You know, he's he's playing for that big money contract. He's playing for that long-term contract. Well, I'm not sure. I think that as the years go on, you're still going to see less and less of these bigger contracts. I don't think we're going to see that many of the well, Chris Davis besides the Chris Davis contract. But there, there are um, there's going to be fewer and fewer, in my opinion. And obviously, he's going to be two years older. He's got an opt-out after this one year, too, I, I believe. So yeah, there's a I lot of different that things that he can do. I think there's incentive for him to stay, though, because I think next year he goes in and makes goes up. 26 million bucks or something crazy like that. Yeah, but he'll roll the dice if he can find a you know a six year deal with. Yeah, I mean he could get he could get like what Justin Upton got, which was five years, one twenty or something like that. Yeah, right? so there, he definitely has all the incentive in the world to play well because he's he's still playing for that second contract, and then you know not to mention he's in a large market for a full season, which is a big deal for him. Could be a big deal for his endorsements and marketing, so he can make a lot of money this season off the field as well if he has a good year. So it's definitely a, a, a phenomenal. Um, you know, bring uh, bring back for them and and add some thump, some much needed thump to that lineup. The Mets also lost David Murphy, who was the NLCS hero and then World Series goat. Yeah, uh, but he was also a guy who I didn't never really... saw fans turn on somebody so fast, and I, it's completely understandable. I mean, I would have turned on him too, but never somebody went from top of the mountain to the bottom of the mountain so quickly. 
Well, I think the part of that was that he kind of returned to what he was before he was on the top of the mountain. Right, but he, then he literally booted the bo- well, he the booted the ball. Away. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But he also kind of came back to earth because you know during the year David Murphy is what he hits. He hits. He's two, a two eighty guy. Sixty two seventy. No, he, but... nah, he's like two two eighty. He's he's a, he's a two eighty hitter, I believe. But he's not. But he was hitting. Uh, I mean, the dude was. Hitting home runs left and right in the NLCS. He's not a home. Oh, run yeah, no, hitter. he's not. He's not, the, he's not a home run hitter, but he hits for average. I mean, he's a, like I said, he's a he's a good player. He's a he's a he's a Gap player that, that does well. But he's you not. Know, he's always been a defensive liability. That was always his right. positionless his thing. Yeah. Do you know who he is? He's Neil Walker, and that's he's who Neil they replaced Walker. him with. So yeah. I think I think when at at the end of the season you look at the back of the baseball card, I think Neil it's, Walker and Murphy will be very similar. I don't know if Neil Walker plays better defense. I don't know what Neil Walker is on the defensive side, but he there. If you look at their offense, they're very similar. Yeah. Did they lose Uribe as well? I think they did. Yeah, right? Uribe is not there anymore. Yeah. But they He's replaced him with, with the White Sox, maybe. Maybe. They got Asdrubal Cabrera yeah. is going to be their shortstop. They they uh, got rid of broken leg boy Ruben Tejada, the one everybody was crying about because Chase Utley broke his leg, and now there's a new rule. And nobody cares about him anymore because he's not on the team, and they can't see him limping out and acting like a little baby walking out to the out to the uh, starting lineups. Yeah, people stopped caring about him as soon as he was carted off the field. Yeah, I, I think the the Mets really just got me soured last year. I think it was more the Mets fans, which is fine. I like that. I like. I, I feel like the the rivalry between the the Red Sox has gone down so oh, far. You just stole my question. I was gonna say, who do you think is a bigger rival to the Yankees right now, Mets or Red Sox? But you you're, you're gonna it's say Mets. Di- well, no, I'm just—it's different because we play the Red Sox what 17 times a year, yeah. and we play the Mets four times a year. But the, the thing we're competing for is fans. Bragging rights. We're bragging competing rights. for bragging rights. We're competing for back pages. So there's a lot of—it's a—it's a different element. It's a different like a. The Mets fans are always have always been you know the little stepchild, the redheaded stepchild, and and they've always looked at us as like the conceited guy who's just you know whose shit doesn't stink. And well. Our shit stinks a little bit. You know, we, we have the rings, obviously, that they, they can't handle us hearing about, and they roll their eyes when we mention. But it's the truth. And 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 now they're having now they're they've got their guys. I mean, these guys should absolutely go on a run. There's no doubt. With the pitching rotation that they have, they should go on a run. You look at that lineup, uh, they're good enough to to win games behind that pitching staff. So they should have a really good year. And they should be the you know the odds on favorite to get to the World Series again. Yeah, they're not, but they're definitely. When you go to a short series and you have those guys, I mean, you know, I, I'd take them. Yeah, I mean, well, they had all the pitching last year in the World Series, uh, and the Royals had none of it, but the Royals smoked them. So, yeah. um, uh, last but not least, about the Mets, I want to talk about David Wright. I, I mean, the dude needs to be in the American League DHing at this point, a la A Rod. But uh, is he like? Is he done? Uh, there's some serious concerns with his back spinal stenosis is what he had i think and i mean there are people talking like he's just struggling to get through three or four innings in spring training yeah i don't really know much about spinal stenosis if it's like a degenerative back disease if it's something that just you know if it if it just if it just continues to get bad or if it has something to do with your discs compacted i think it has something to do with that i'm not real sure but yeah anything with your back and and having the as much torque as a baseball player does with hitting and throwing and, and just moving side to side, it just doesn't seem like it's going to go well over the long term for a guy that's battling that, that injury. And honestly, I, I really like David Wright. He's always been a guy that, that I've uh, 
that I've admired. You know, I, I think he plays the game the right way. He's always he's, he's just been a, a a good professional, and I feel bad for the dude. I feel bad that he's going through this. He's not an old guy, uh, but yeah, it's it's tough when you have an injury like that. You know, I, I have a feeling he's going to be he'll go through spurts where he or he feels good, and then he'll go through longer spurts that he doesn't feel good. Kind of reminds me of what Mattingly went through. Yeah, and that was that was a real sad time because because Mattingly it was it was hard to watch that. Really yeah, was. I mean, you, all of a sudden his back was hurting and he hit a wall and then that was it. His career was done. I could really see Wright being a similar situation. Where, you can't do anything if your back's not right. Yeah. You just can't. I mean, it, I it, can't do anything when my back you. hurts. Never yeah, mind. I mean, I rake leaves sometimes and my back goes out and I'm done for like a week. <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, it and as you get older, it doesn't get better. <laughs> And he's got the best doctors in the world looking after him. So if it's still occurring with you get the best doctors, it's it's probably something that's going on with your, your body. And and unfortunately, um, baseball might not be in his, his long-term future anymore. That should be a fun four-game series, though. Two and two, home and home against the Mets uh, early August. That should be fun. I think both teams are going to be competing for, obviously, playoff positions. So. Yeah, hot time in the summer right there. Yeah, I, I, I went to a game at City Field last year. The atmosphere was awesome, a Yankees-Red Sox game. So, I, I don't know, I'm kind of happy that this rivalry is back. I think it. I think I wish the Yankee-Red Sox rivalry would get back. More rivalry, the better. Make it, make it, it's a long season. We need some, we need some stuff to get, get the juices flowing. Yeah, I really want that. I, I sent a couple of text messages to my buddies who are Red Sox fans that I went to school with. And uh, today, actually, I was like, and because they've kind of disappeared over the past few years. They've, well, they've finished they've, last place the last two years. But they've acted like they don't care anymore. And that's, it pisses me off. And I don't know if the two titles like got them to a point where they're like, oh, well, you know, we got spoiled. And now I don't know what to have, what losing feel like feels like anymore. So I'm going to cry about it. Whereas before... Before they won those titles, they weren't. They would never cry about the losing. Oh, they, they would just definitely. They would just get mad about it, and they would just get so frustrated. It was like pent up frustration, and I loved it. It made me so happy to see them like that. But now they just like they act like they act like, God forbid, Yankees fans sometimes. Where it's like, oh, we haven't won a title this year. They're not. They're not in the World Series. It's a, it's a, what a waste of a year. I that's think, what they're acting like now, and it's pissing me off because they're not fighting back like they used to. If both teams are good. In the second half of the season, I think we'll see some rivalry there. I remember I was at Fenway Park, Yankees-Red Sox last season. It was the weekend before the All-Star break. And the Red Sox had just gone on like a six or seven game winning streak. I think they were three games in back of the Yankees. Um, I might be mixing up the, the actual numbers. But there was some real talk that the Red Sox were making a push for the division. And there was some real juice in that stadium that weekend series. Everyone was fired up. That was the weekend Ref Snyder came up and hit his home run. Remember that? Yes, um, I do. That, 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 that was like back to the, you know, back to the throwback a little bit to some rivalry days between the Yankees and Red Sox. And I missed that, man. There was nothing better than that. Well, I tell you, the, the, one of the biggest things that will, uh, probably the only thing at this point that's going to that's gonna push that back is, is them being in the hunt late in the year, both yeah. teams, and having meaningful games. Because when meaningful games are occurring and you have a team that you, you're just predisposed to hate, then that hatred's gonna come back. The hate, and, the hate flows, and and the players will feel the hate. You know what I mean? Like in the the just the emotions from the the crowd will will move on to the field. And we have a lot of young guys, and young guys are full of testosterone and want to fight and want to be you know just edgy and you know have that 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 confidence. Or if if the if you're talking to the front office of the New York Yankees, the arrogance of of certain people, but. 
you know, that, that stuff will come out. And, you know, we've talked about this in the past, too. There's a lot of young guys on both teams right now that are coming up. And this is a, you know, it's a, it's a time where Let's we start could see some, some new rivalry. Let's start some, some new stuff. stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, th- there's all a lot of young players on both teams. The Red Sox have Bogarts, Mookie Betts, uh, Henry Owens, uh, Rodriguez, all these guys. The Yankees obviously have all the young guys that we always talk about. So... It's time for these guys to start a little rivalry up. The, the, I could see it, a guy they, like Castro too, trying to get his get his uh, you know weasel into a a, a rivalry immediately, oh, trying yeah. to make a mark. Yeah, maybe, I could see maybe that. a hard slide that's now illegal. A little something, a little <laughs> something, a little little showboating, maybe a little uh, little little Wodowski to somebody. I could I see think that. The A Rod versus Ortiz, that that whole stuff is done. It's in the past. Those guys are on their last legs. They don't really care anymore. So I don't think they care anymore. But I could see a guy like Castro going after somebody. Or just, just, cause could you imagine what the the uproar and the like the fan support if Castro, the new guy who's who's hitting early in the season, starts getting starts getting a little edgy. See, I with don't the, know if he's got Sox? that edge to him though. I think he's more of like a, a quiet. I think he's more of a laid back quiet guy. I don't know. I could see him getting fired up. You know who I'd like to see just really just be an animal, and that's Aaron Judge. Cause just his size, if he's like a nasty, a nasty dude, a nasty mother. Oh, that'd be so good. Yeah, you're going to have to wait for a year for that one, though. So we'll I talk know. about that later. I'm getting excited, though. Maybe Headley could redeem himself if he does something like that. Headley's dead to me. <laughs> All right. We are getting uh, long in this episode. So we will talk to you guys next time. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.